We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know I'm from uh, some, some great quotable moments as a great NFL head coach with the Chiefs and Jets. You know him from his time as a college football head coach. He's now an ESPN NFL analyst. Herm Edwards joins us now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you, and there's a familiar team in the Super Bowl that um, obviously uh, I played in the first Super Bowl that the Eagles participated in. Didn't win, but, but uh, it was an exciting uh, moment, that's for sure. You know, Coach, 
everyone's calling this the Kelsey Bowl. It's the Herm Edwards yeah. Bowl. You you were the head coach of the Chiefs. You played in the first Eagles Super Bowl. Where do your loyalties lie? Oh, well, you know, it's it's it, I'm I'm going to watch the game and just kind of enjoy it, right? But but obviously, um, you know, when you're when you play for a team and uh, your whole career for the most part in Philadelphia, almost ten seasons and. You get hired um, by the Chiefs, a team that you actually worked for as an assistant coach. You came back later and and um, worked for them uh, after I left uh, college football. That was my first, actually, NFL job, is working for the Chiefs. And then got traded from the Jets back to the Chiefs. How about that? that that's interesting. So, so, so I'm going to really enjoy the game. It's going to be a great game, too. So in your career, you you mentioned you played in Philly. We got you in Atlanta, yeah. in, in L.A. with the Rams. As a coach, mm-hmm. it was Kansas City, Tampa, the Jets, the Chiefs. Yes. So what separates or what what's different from Philadelphia and their fans and that the 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 fan base than maybe those other spots you you, you played at or coached at? Well, I tell you what, it's a passionate bunch now. I mean, you know, we played in the old vet down off of. In South Philly, you know, off the off Broad Street, and they, I tell you what, uh, those fans now—they they, they get after it now. And, and you know, when you're an Eagle, the one thing you realize if you play hard, that's what they want. They want you to play hard. They want you to compete. And if you do that, they respect you. And that's the thing I learned there. You know, I'm, I grew up on the West Coast, and you know, going there to Philadelphia, I'm like, oh, this is interesting, right? <laughs> I, I was in one of those games earlier in my career. We weren't winning right away with Dick Vermeil and. I saw him boost Santa Claus as well. So that's the kind of crowd they are. Herm, look into um, the news of the day. Tom Brady mm-hmm. uh, retires. And, and, I, and I'm going to ask you this question the next way because you're, you're a really good NFL player and you're a really good NFL head coach who coached against Tom Brady, right? Yep. And you played against some of the other greats. So how do yep. you view the greatest of all time conversation when pretty much everybody – uh, just agrees that Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time. Well, uh, you know, and there's always going to be debate. Um, and I never try to say one guy. I, I've always said this. The only guy that I can ever say is the greatest player to ever play is Jim Brown. And other than that, you know, I'll, I'll put some guys all that they can all sit on the same uh, platform. But Jim Brown, Jim Brown is Jim Brown. Okay. And, and, and Tom Brady, what he accomplished uh, as a quarterback uh, is just phenomenal, uh, what he was able to do his whole career. And, you know, last year when he retired and then came back, I learned this long ago. When you make that decision in your brain to retire and you come back, you're already retired. You really are. And you go, you go through the motions of playing, but it's not the same because you have made an emotional decision when you say you're going to do that, right? When you try to come back. When you watched him this year, obviously um, it was a lot on his plate. The, the run game was non-existent. Offensive line hurt. He was averaging about 40 passes a game. And you're not going to win a lot of games like that. And, 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 and you know, they still found a way to get into the, to the playoffs with an 8-9 record. That whole division was 7-10. Uh, but when you think about what he's done and how he made organizations better, right, he walks into Tampa and takes him to the Super Bowl. Reminds me a lot of Joe Montana. When Joe Montana left San Francisco and came to the Chiefs, him along with Marcus Allen, 
And we got to the championship game, but Joe, when he got knocked out against Buffalo, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. He got knocked out in the second quarter, and, and Buffalo ended up going to the Super Bowl. We had a great team in Kansas City, but the whole room changes when he walks into the building. And that's what happened in Tampa when he walked into that room. Those guys said, you know what? We're a legit Super Bowl team now. And sure enough, he took them there. So his accomplishments uh, will be very difficult to, to, uh, to erase, right? There'll be some guys chasing him. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the AFC, especially some young ones. Boy, there's a lot of young quarterbacks in the AFC. They just seem to get better and better. So it's going to be fun to watch these young guys now try to take the torch away. And, and go after the records that uh, I call him Captain America, by the way, Tom Brady said. <laughs> Herm Edwards, uh, longtime NFL and college head coach, now ESPN NFL analyst on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I mean, really, for the first five years of your coaching career, that was pretty much the first five – or head coaching career. That's pretty much the first five years of Tom Brady as the yeah. starter full-time in New <laughs> England. So do you have any favorite – moments yeah. of coaching against Tom? I'll give you one. And people don't recollect this one. Okay, so we're, I, I think of some of second year or first year? Probably the second year or first year. I forget whenever it was. But we're playing New England. And um, Bledsoe's the quarterback. And he runs to the sideline, and we hit him, and he goes down. And in comes Captain America. He finishes the game. We ended up winning 10-7 to 7 or something like that. And he became a starter. And so from that day forward, every time we used to play him, and I know Tom, I, and, you know, he started winning all these Super Bowls, I said, you know, you, you owe me a little something now. And he would laugh, you know, because basically we're the one that unleashed him, the Jets. Mo Lewis hit him. He went down. Here he comes in the game, and he never left. He just kept winning. He kept winning Super Bowls. We won the division one year uh, against them, but I tell you what, he was something to play against. You mentioned all the, the young quarterbacks here. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about Joe Burrow recently for what he's done, but when you look at yeah. the state of of the quarterback position, specifically in the AFC, who yeah. are the guys that you would put the most stock in going forward? Not necessarily be the next Tom Brady. That's, that's one guy. Right. No. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but to really inherit the AFC. Well, look, you have a lifespan if a guy can stay healthy for 10 years. You sleep well as a football coach, especially a head coach on Saturday night. He's playing on Sunday, right? Because you got a quarterback. All you got to do is continue to, you know, build the team and, and let him do what he does. And the Bills have one. Um, the kid in Miami is a good player. You're just hoping that he can finish, that, that he can get through it, right? Cincinnati obviously has a good player. Um, the Ravens, uh, Lamar comes back. The way they play, we're, we're good. Um, Pittsburgh, they're young fellas seem to kind of step up a little bit. I'll get to your guy in a minute. Um, the Jaguars um, have, a, have a pretty good quarterback, I, I do believe. Uh, Kansas City, uh, good quarterback. Chargers, good quarterback. Look, Sean just took the deal at, uh, with the Broncos. We'll see. We'll see. Can he resurrect Russell Wilson's career? Uh, your guy, Deshaun Watson, uh, missed a lot of football. But there's some things you see that you go, okay. And you're hoping he's going to develop like the guy that's in the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurst, right? I mean, if you're, and if you're Chicago, you're thinking the same thing about your guy. Can he be that guy? There's a, lot of, there's, there's a lot of good things that you see when you watch him. So there's a lot of really good quarterbacks <laughs> that, that are young in the National Football League. 
Herm Edwards, former NFL uh, and college uh, football head coach here. Uh, also ESPN NFL analyst on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. So you mentioned Sean Watson. Um, yes. It's been, you know, I understand why the off the field stuff is so polarizing, but on the field, yeah. even his performance over those final six games of this year were polarizing. You know, the, the, the box store doesn't look great. I think the, right. I personally thought there were some good things in those final six yeah. games, but yeah. when, when we talk about a guy that missed that much time, and then had those struggles. Should our faith be shaken that Deshaun Watson can get back to being the player he was in Houston after everything that happened over the last two years? No, I think he, he'll be fine. He, he, it goes to show you, I've always said this to football players, you know, my claim to fame as a football player, I never missed a practice, never missed a start. And I always tell players this, you cannot cheat the grass. In other words, the grass knows when you're not out there practicing. The grass knows. And when you step out there with your cleats and you've cheated the grass, it, it gets you back. And he missed a lot of time. And, and that's something you can say what you want, but you missed a lot of time in this game, especially at the quarterback position. It's tough. And, you know, if you look at Cleveland, I look at that division. I've always said this. When you look at divisions, any coach understands this. You have to be competitive in your division. So you have a chance. When I look at that division, every team in that division was three and three. So what does that say? Well, you're competitive in your division. You got a chance. You played a quarterback that that basically didn't play for almost two years. <laughs> so, you know, there, there are some things that uh, you can build on, right? And Cleveland has some good players. And so I wouldn't put my head down and go, well, no, no. Everyone was three and three. Cincinnati Bengals, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns—all three and three record in the AFC North. Herm Edwards with us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, looking to Kevin Stefanski, we're going into year mm. four, and yep. we've gone from eleven wins to eight wins to seven wins. And obviously, yep. with an ownership that uh, has had a itchy trigger finger previously, that leads a lot of questions about about coach going into year four. As a guy who has had two different stints in the NFL, as a guy who I'm sure you felt that pressure at different points in your coaching career, would mm -hmm. you have any advice on Kevin Stefanski going into year four on how to to right the ship or or how to to maybe get back on the good side of winning? Yeah, be yourself. Don't don't change because the players are sensitive. Um, the the key will be the development of the quarterback. Right? I mean, can can you get him to play better? And if you get him to play better, it lifts the whole football team. Because this is going to be your quarterback going into this season. And so, as I said, you're 3-3 three and three in your division, and everyone else is 3-3. Three and three. So you got a chance. I mean, you got hope. And hope is a wonderful word when, when, you, when you look at it. And, and, and I look at it like, hey, you're 7-10, okay. Pittsburgh Steelers were 9-8, and eight, you know, and, and, and the Ravens were 10-6, and six, and Cincinnati, Cincinnati, they're 12-4, right? They, they, they probably – them and the Ravens are, you know, quarterback in Pittsburgh is, is getting better, young guy. So I would say this. I mean, if you're a coach, you just, that's what you got to build on. And say, hey, look, we're competitive in our division. We can beat any team in our division. We've proven that. We're three and three. We got to get this. The only teams that went undefeated in their, in their division were San Francisco and Kansas City. They were both six and oh. Even the Philadelphia Eagles were four and two. We. we <laughs> We're, everybody's mad at the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are 4-2 in their division, right? <laughs> so it's, just, it's just what it is. But Coach knows it's his fourth year. 
obviously this is a big year for, for them. And, 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 and I wish them nothing but success. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard coaching. It, it's a hard game, man. And, you know, there's always a couple plays in every game. If it goes the other way, rather than to be 7-10, and 10, you're 10-7. and 7. And you can go look back at the season. And it is, the team that is 10-6, and 6, the Ravens could have been 7-10. Seven and, seven and 10. The team that's 7-10 and 10 probably could have been 10-7. and seven. A couple, couple plays here or there. It's a different, different score, different game. So now that you're in the media, I'm, I'm always, I always love to hear the perception of somebody or the, the perspective of somebody who's been a coach and in the media. When, when you look at how we, the, the layman, yes. looks at, at coaching or looks at right. you know, coaching the NFL, do you see any big misconceptions from how fans view things to how the job actually really is? Well, it, it's, it's this. This is the job of a coach. As much, as much responsibility you have as a coach and all the decisions you make, right, you get to make a lot of decisions. But you're no different than the fan or the media person that's sitting up in the stands. When that player steps between those lines, you've got no control of what he's going to do. None. Zero. When the ball's hiked, you're hoping that he's going to do the right thing. You can't control what he's going to do. When he's on the sideline, there's something different. Practice, hey. But when the game starts, <laughs> you can't control it. You're hoping Hey, let's just do the right thing. We coached him up this week. Uh, we got a game plan, and we, we can adjust it. But you got no control of how that player is going to act when he gets out between those lines. Herm Edwards on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Uh, Coach, you know, we just saw uh, our divisional mate, Cincinnati, make their second mm -hmm. straight AFC title game. Kansas City has now been to five straight and three Super Bowls yeah. in five years. When, when we talk about the necessities of an NFL team to make it to that late in the playoffs consistently. What are the what are the 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 absolute must-haves on your roster in your organization to get consistently where Cincy and Casey have been here the last couple of years? Well, you gotta you gotta have a, a culture that will allow you to do that, and you have to do things at times, um, make decisions that are tough. Uh, and you have to, in my opinion, a lot of these teams that you see continuing to show up, who's playing quarterback, right? And is he healthy? Mahomes um, went down, but for the most part, a lot of these quarterbacks, San Francisco a little bit different. They played three quarterbacks and still found a way. They had a good defense. And, 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 I, and I just think that when you look at these teams, you know, they have some weaknesses at certain positions, but they continue to build and they, they get it fixed, whether through the draft or through agency. They're a step ahead of everybody else. Right? It's just a step ahead. And when you have a quarterback, your life is much easier. And then it's just a matter of can we protect the guy? we got to win the games we're supposed to win. That's critical. Win the games you're supposed to win now. And there will be a couple, you know, that you'll be kind of okay. It's even going into this. You might lose one or two. But you got to win the games you should win. You can't lose those games. That's very important. And I think the teams that continue to show up, you know, the players understand the mindset of we're a playoff team, we're a perennial playoff team, and they got to believe that. And when you get in the first time you get in the playoffs, you got to realize this was hard to get here. It's not a given. And all these teams that continue to go back, their culture is built that way. They just know, okay, this is what it takes to get to the playoffs. And then when you get there, then you know the big problem is, Dallas Cowboys, 
a la, right? You got to win playoff games. I mean, those poor guys were 24. They won 24 games in two years. <laughs> it, is, it ain't good enough. So every time you take one step forward, there's something else you got to accomplish as a team. You can never be satisfied with where you're at. It's a journey. This thing's a, the NFL's a journey. It's not, well, if we reach this, no, 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 it's a journey. You got to continue to go because once you get in the playoffs, then you got to win playoff games, then you got to get to the championship game, then you got to win the championship game, then you got to win the Super Bowl. It just never, it never ends. But that's the fun of it all. Herm, your passion, your uh, energy, always enjoyable. We appreciate your time, sir. Uh, enjoy the rest of the football season that we have, and uh, we sure appreciate you. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. And a point that I've made that I think has impacted the way we see Deshaun is the only thing you and I really know of Deshaun, and and I'm talking about pra- like in practicality. I'm not talking about the fact that some of us did watch Deshaun in Houston. Browns fans only intimately know his reputation as a football player, his box score as a football player, and the allegations against him as a human being. That's the only thing we really knew about Deshaun. He was more of an idea than he was a reality because he had never played for the Browns before. The the uh, the charges and sorry the the uh, the legal issues that he had that kind of complicated his exit from Houston. And I think that's a really important thing to realize because I I have been accused of polishing a turd with the final six games of the year, and I and I to some degree I do understand the the general bar for for Deshaun was be a superstar he wasn't, but I just think it shows the the slippery slope that you go down when you're talking about a player's performance. Uh, Deshaun should have had three touchdowns against New Orleans. And when I say should have, that's not like wishes, dreams, hopes, and prayers. That's like a, he had three touchdowns scored, and two of them were taken off the board through no fault of his own. He made perfect throws, and either a guy slipped or a guy dropped it. So are, am I really to say, is it really to say that if Deshaun had gone three touchdowns in that game, would we really feel that different about how his if, – if the numbers just look different, will we really feel that different about Deshaun? I don't think he did enough to make me 100% certain that next year Deshaun Watson's going to be a franchise quarterback or an elite quarterback or a vintage Deshaun or premier quarterback. Because Rel yesterday didn't like that we used the word premier. Or no, elite. That was the word he had a problem with. Although it's kind of like like the easiest it's like shorthand to use when talking about a player. But I think we're so invested as sports fans in the recent, right? And listen, I think it's just easy to be, to be negative about the, the state of the Browns. I think it's easy to be negative about Deshaun Watson. Because he was accused of, sued for, and suspended by the NFL for those accusations and lawsuits of some very serious and troubling things. So, there's not going to be a lot of people that go to bat in Cleveland or or nationally for Deshaun Watson having a bounce-back performance this year. That also doesn't make it right. And when trying to weigh the first 54 games of his career where he was a franchise quarterback, 
where he was a guy who was a consistent playmaker in a situation where he wasn't surrounded by the best talent versus six games where he played for the first time in 700 days, in over 700 days. His first game was against teams that have been playing for 13 weeks. Those aren't excuses. Those are details. So I thought it was interesting that Herm, uh, when he was talking about Deshaun Watson, said, yeah, the grass don't lie. Now, he was talking about field turf. He was not talking about other kinds of grass, just to be clear. In case anybody's wondering which kind of grass. We're not talking about Bill Walton again. We're talking about turf. We're talking about uh, field surface. I have my concerns. At this point, I'm more concerned about the state of the roster and Kevin Stefanski than I am about Deshaun. With the caveat, there's still a kernel of doubt there. 216-578-0092. We'll throw that out to you guys. After hearing Herm Edwards and what he had to say about Deshaun Watson, he, he didn't just seem confident. He seemed certain that Deshaun Watson was going to bounce back next year. Did that make you feel a little bit better hearing a former NFL head coach, maybe an outsider, having that kind of, uh, of thought on Deshaun Watson? But while we, uh, while we continue to dissect the lost season for the Cleveland Browns, we are getting ready. It's February, guys. It's time to, at, at some point in this month, the Cleveland Guardians will play baseball. Now, it's not real baseball. It's that fake baseball. It's that uh, n- no, uh, it's a no keeps baseball. But, man, I really wish um, there's a golden era of covering the Cleveland Guardians where shows got to go to a Goodyear, Arizona and hang out for like a week at spring training. Your boy really wishes that were the case. I will never tell uh, Dusty or anybody else I was so jealous of this show when they got to go to Eric Goodyear because baseball's my that's the first sport that I fell in love with. And yet, every conversation with baseball turns into, why are you so stupid, baseball? And the latest, like the Cleveland Guardians, who admittedly already have a problem in their relationship with fans. Now, I tend to think the real relationship issue is baseball economics with their fans because it just screws over small market fans like you and I. But in town, there are people who do not care about the messy economics of baseball. They only care that the Guardians don't spell, uh, uh, spend enough and that, in their opinion, Dolan's is cheap. Doesn't matter it's the best organization in town consistently over the last 20 years. Doesn't matter that they have gotten as far a hell of a lot farther than the Cleveland Browns. It doesn't matter that it's the best hang. I love going to Browns games because uh, I love NFL football, right? But I love going to Guardians games because I love baseball and because it's a good hang. The atmosphere in an NFL game, not great. The atmosphere specifically at Progressive Field is amazing. And they've and they're continuing to do a job. This latest renovations to the ballpark are awesome. People bitching about them. Oh, it's like going to a giant barn watching a baseball game. Yep, both of things I like. I like beer and baseball, and they just made it easier to do both. And yet, I can't talk about how much I love the Guardians, how excited I am for this team. No, no, no. I've got to talk. That baseball, knowing that the Guardians already have a complicated relationship with their fan, 
I have to have the conversation about Major League Baseball scheduling the Guardians opening night, the first pitch at 10-10 at night. It is as if Major League Baseball, right before they make any crucial decision, and I'll be honest with you guys, I hate sending them out west. I hate it. The last time they did this was like five years ago. It's like 2018. I hate it. Granted, I hate it when they're in Kansas City or Minnesota when those teams are non-competitive. And I also understand the Cleveland Guardians are not going to get the premier day one matchup because they're the Guardians and and Major League Baseball doesn't care about them. But man, it chaps my ass that opening day, which is to me, and I realize I'm an old man on this. My, My take on opening day is an old man take. So get the hell off my lawn. Opening day, every game should be a 1 o'clock, a 4 o'clock, a 7 o'clock. And the only 7 o'clocks should be West Coast games, which out there are 4 o'clock games. And you know why? Because opening day should be baseball's answer and has been mostly the, has been mostly the answer to March Madness. There is nothing better than... On March Madness in 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 uh, in March because that's you know March Madness that's when it happens um, from going from the end of one game to another and how games cascade into each other that's what should happen and Major League Baseball scheduling a team that is struggling with their fans commitment to that team not in ratings but in terms of showing up to the ballpark you almost always have them out on the road and now putting them at a 10-10 first pitch. Basically, you just told every casual fan in town, don't watch. You just made the hollowed grounds of opening day in at least one Major League market. You made it a little less important. Congrats, Major League Baseball. You did something stupid again. 216-578-0092. Is the 10-10 first pitch, is that, is that, does that make it less likely that you're going to watch opening day for the Cleveland Guardians? And... Speaking of watching the Cleveland Guardians, might just get tougher this year. I just feel like every conversation on Major League Baseball that we have to have inevitably devolves into some sort of negative assessment of the state of baseball. And the thing that sucks about that is, like, I'd love it if we could talk more about the hot stove. Well, we can't, because baseball's taken what used to be like a five-day event in December and they've made an event that lasts all summer long, or sorry, all winter long, and there's no real mom- momentum to the thing. Like, there are still good baseball players that are free agents right now that 20 years ago, they would have been swooped up on a long-term contract like three days into free agency. But the problem with baseball is everything bad that happens that you and I have to come out here and talk about is completely avoidable. The latest, not sure if anybody's, have you heard about this? Have you seen about this? The Bally Sports uh, news that uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, who bought them from Disney in 2019, could be forced to file for bankruptcy for Bally Sports. And the problem is they have like $55 billion worth of TV commitments to, to, to pro sports teams in America, heavily invested in Major League Baseball, and the NBA. And the problem is they don't have enough money to pay for all those things. 
that $55 billion is a heavy burden on Sinclair. I know, I know, crocodile tears. The problem is it could really impact the way you and I watch Major League Baseball as soon as this year. I don't know it will. I re- I like I think I think there's a lot of doomsday in baseball because that's what happens. That is baseball. Baseball ignores the giant elephant in the room for as long as they possibly can. And then when the house is a four alarm fire, they look at their house and go, "Oh my god, it's a four alarm fire. Somebody should do something." And if you want to know how I know this, I mentioned Sinclair had been uh, had been bought. Or sorry, Sinclair had bought Bally Sports and all the subsidies, which I believe includes like Yes Network for the Yankees. They bought that in 2019. This was a company that was not worth nine and a half billion dollars, and they bought something worth nine and a half billion dollars. So just starting out, there was a pretty good idea. And and here's the other thing, Disney. Because Disney acquired this as part of the acquisition of, of Fox Entertainment. And so they had to offload the ballot. Because right now, if, if Disney owned Bally Sports, I'll tell you right now, guys, this wouldn't be a conversation. Everybody would be fine. But because they had to offload that as part of the, I don't know, guys, it's something to do with trade regulations. And uh, it's funny that we're having this conversation about they, they had to be spun off to avoid having a monopoly when we can all agree that Disney does have a monopoly. They own everything cool. ESPN, ABC, Fox, Marvel, Star Wars, but those ballet sports, it's too much. Kind of went full Mulaney there. Sorry. Um, But like when this happened, everybody looked around and were like, eh, I don't know that a company that's not quite worth $10 billion. Oh, and by the way, uh, Disney wanted $20 billion for it and only got $9.5 billion. Another sign that this was not a great deal for anybody purchasing it if you didn't have the money to purchase it in the first place. It's not a great sign when you buy something whose value was halved while being sold and you don't have the money to cover it. Baseball should have seen this coming. And that's a frustrating thing. Like uh, the Guardians opening day thing. 10-10 first pitch, totally avoidable. Any dumbass with a pair of ears, half a brain, could have seen, eh, maybe not the best choice. Maybe you should help out the small market team. Maybe. And this Bally Sports bankruptcy thing, like there were investors saying at the time that this happened that that this was something like bankruptcy was going to be something in ba- in Sinclair's uh, future if they couldn't find a way to get money out of this. Why does it matter to you? Why have I spent five minutes talking about this inside baseball, inside baseball topic? Because it does matter in Cleveland. It absolutely matters in Cleveland. We already get Dolan's is cheap literally any time. They signed Josh Bell. Dolan's is cheap. As if because he's Josh Bell, just to prove they're not cheap, they should have signed him for three times the contract. Ah, they should have signed uh, Javi Baez to a god-awful contract like Detroit did. I thought Lima did a great job this morning, you know, kind of breaking down what this means. In one way, you can look at the Guardians and say, well, they don't have one of the most prosperous TV contracts anyways. 
Uh, the other way you can look at it is baseball's economics are so harsh on small markets. Even though every team, before they throw a pitch, every team gets $100 million because of the national TV contracts. And the Guardians have not cracked $100 million as their as their uh, operating salary in baseball. They've not cracked that number since, I think, 2018. Maybe the latest 2019. But the major league salary, that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg here. So we're talking about things like minor league salaries. We're talking about player and development, uh, player development. We're talking about uh, spending in the draft or spending over uh, down in South America. Areas where the, the Cavs have actually, the Cavs, the, the Guardians have actually been really, really good. If you thought the Dolans were cheap before, take away $45 million this year from their operating expenses. Now, there's a lot of doomsday going on because that's what happens with baseball. When money goes away or when money's threatened, baseball really sends up the panic alarm. I thought Terry Pluto this morning with Ken and Anthony had a really, really great point. It's not a certainty, but a really great point about what the Bally Sports potential for a bankruptcy could mean for the Cleveland Guardians and baseball. If this thing all does fall apart, it could be a good thing for baseball because they have their TV packaging and all that. It is such a mess. Of course, this is going to spill over the NBA, too, later on, mm-hmm. you know, for their home ones. And they've got to figure out how to get their games on places where people can access them. And you don't just put it stream everything because, again, you lose that person that wants that game at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for opening day. In other words, the older person is basically still on, on the cable. Other places are able to figure out how to do both. And one of my theories in life is we often don't make the change we need to make until the pain gets bad enough. Well, this pain's going to get really bad for Major League Baseball, and that'll force them to really look at how do you want to present your games on TV because that is a huge part of programming, not only for local TV, but a lot of people who are older, I mean, they really do set up their day around, oh, I have a game today, even if it's just on TV. I don't know if anybody else who's ever gone through anything in their life felt that uh, that pain line by Terry about how we, we don't often make the choice, the changes we need to until the pain becomes unbearable. That one, that, that's not even like a sports commentary. That felt like a uh, an existential kick in the skippies when I heard it this morning. Now, I think while everybody in Major League Baseball, including, I'm sure, in the Guardians organization, including, I'm sure in every small market, big market, doesn't matter. As I mentioned, the Yankees are probably not great with this. They're probably pretty freaked out because they co-own the Yes Network with, I believe, it's I think it's called Diamond Broadcasting. But as they should run around with their hair on fire, I also think it might be time, this might be the thing that finally gets baseball's head of its own booty with how they present their games. I And if it doesn't, then baseball's a lost cause. One, this was totally avoidable. Major League Baseball was in the running with Liberty Media, Liberty Media to buy these uh, regional these regional. Uh, uh, sports networks back in 2019. They got outbid. So they could have handled this in 2019. They didn't. They continue to perpetuate the blackout markets. So you can get MLB TV, but if you want to watch the Cleveland Guardians, you can't watch it on MLB TV. Oh, and by the way, one of the reasons why that is that way is because of RSNs. So you could have already taken care of this in 2019. And 
you allowed Sinclair to outbid you. So that's that's step one. The other big thing here is I think I think the thing that the NFL does that's really, really smart is the way that they leverage the the most eyeballs on their sport. They don't just pick, all right, all of our games are going to be on ABC. You're going to get one game a week, and that's enough. It'll be your home game. ABC, CBS, NBC, ESPN, all of Fox, all of them get a game because there's more than enough to go around. And if the game in your home market is at 1 o'clock, then that's the game you're going to watch. Pretty common sense, right? Now, the unfortunate thing is, I think all of those networks have taken up, and by the way, what are all those things have in common outside of ESPN? All of them are available on the basic and most basic of cable. Oh, and then on top of it, you do have uh, the, 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 the ticket thing. You do have uh, different options to watch it. YouTube has run NFL games. The NFL has done the best job of just saying, here are all the ways you can watch your games. Oh, and then if that doesn't happen, you can listen to them on radio. Oh, and if you don't have local radio, well, here, you can get it's part of the, the NFL game day subscription. Whereas with baseball, they've done everything they possibly can. Oh, they're on Bally Sports, which is a different level up of cable. Oh, well, except this one, which is going to be on YouTube TV, and that's the only place you can watch it. Oh, except this one, which is on Apple TV. I actually think the smartest thing baseball can do is put all of their teams on like an Apple TV or an Amazon. And and I think they should still probably keep those RSNs alive. One, they should buy the RSNs. That's the easy thing here. And when they do that, they should then loosen the restrictions on those deals so they can put all of their games on Amazon or Apple and sell the whole thing as one lump sum, and then here's the thing they should really do that they should have done starting in 1994, that the NFL and NBA get better than them. What they should really do is then actually have revenue sharing instead of money laundering because that's the other part of this. The way Major League Baseball's financial situation is set up is that there are teams profiteering from keeping their costs low other teams are paying them because of the way that the revenue sharing currently goes, and you don't have to be good. It actually incentivizes you to spend less and be less competitive. Now let's see if Major League Baseball actually figures that out. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.